passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, welcome back to the Baseball America Fantasy Podcast. This is your host, Jeff Ponce. I'm here with my main man, my co-host. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep saying it. You are the master of the robot. You've mastered the robot. Um, you, are, you are Dr. Frankenstein. Um, Dylan White, what's going on, man? How are you? Not too bad. Two more weeks, two full weeks left of regular season baseball, regular season fantasy baseball. It's uh Every every move's magnified. I don't know if you saw, there was a tweet. It was like the Blue Jays. Uh, it's real baseball now. Blue Jays playoff odds on fan graphs. It was like 79% they're going to make the playoffs. And then they got swept by Texas. And it was like 29%. And then they swept Boston. And so they're back up to 79%. It's just <laughs> whipsaw action. Roller coaster ride. You can't get comfortable at any time. And that's how my fantasy teams are right now as well. So. Exciting times, very stressful times. Yeah, and I wonder how much the horse race is impacting it. There's so many teams that are in play right now. You got six teams for three spots in the NL wildcard race. You got, I guess, five technically because uh, someone's got to win the NL West and all three of those teams with the Astros, who I believe are uh, currently in first place as of recording this, Um, the Rangers, uh, and of course, the Mariners are all sort of in this three-way death match with like two, two and a half games between them. Um, so I think that's impacting fantasy too, where you have teams maybe more willing to go for it, calling up some players that maybe you wouldn't have seen in other seasons, and just a lot of action. So um, yeah, it, it's pretty exciting. But fill me in, man. How are you doing on your your pursuits in the main event as well as Tout Wars? I'll start with Tout Wars. I thought that's over. I think I'm I'm currently in third. I don't think I'm going to win. Um, the huge cushion I had in in ratios where I could just r- run out the two pi- uh, two starts pitchers has uh, collapsed. Um, I took two zeros from Otani the last two weeks because it was not clear whether he'd be in or not, and then he he was never put on the IL, and so I couldn't swap him out, and so it's kind of I've kind of blown that. So tout second or third is probably where I'll finish. Uh, the main event overall, the the big one is we're still clinging to first overall. Uh, we had two pretty bad weeks <laughs> offensively. Um, basically, we we've gone up every week, but then like the last two weeks we have not. We've either stagnated or gone down. Um, so we're clinging to a tenuous lead. Uh, we made seven fab moves this Sunday just to show sort of the desperation and the the grind. Um, 
and uh, we're getting in position for the final week. So we want to survive this week. We want to see where we're at. We still have some money left for the last week, so we can pick up some guys to fill some holes. But uh, yeah, right now it's watching every every game, constantly refreshing MLB at bat. Like, uh, for example, it was 1-1 Mets versus Marlins. We're recording this Monday night. And two of our competitors, or three of our competitors, have Tanner Scott. We have Adam Ottavino. And then Jeff McNeil hit a home run off of Scott. So it was 2-1 going into the ninth. So we have Ottavino to get the save, which would have been great. If he blew it, then Tanner Scott may get uh, the win, um, which would have been just a huge swing in standings. Luckily, Ottavino held on for the save. So that's that's a victory for the good guys. Um, but it's just stuff like that where just every every move, every like, yeah it's just it's ridiculous everything is just it's so i can't believe how important it like you can't take a day off i can't take a week off like in june you take a vacation and you kind of you phone in literally your your lineups and like that could cost you because everyone is so focused and so locked in these like in these high stakes competitions that uh you just can't afford to do it yeah, absolutely. And uh, just, you know, the game theory, et cetera, is uh, the exciting part of that, even beyond, you know, the player analysis, et cetera. Um, but Dylan, you uh, participated with me in uh, what's going to become, I guess, an annual tra tradition now, which is my uh, sort of um, profiles to target in fantasy. And it's based around, you know, sort of a data-driven approach um, standout data, kind of looking at the big three, which is sort of the approach that I always tout where I'm looking at contact numbers, specifically contact rate and his own contact rate, chase rate, uh, which, you know, gives me a good measurement of approach. Swing rate obviously is kind of measured in there as well. And then, of course, power. So we're looking at average exit velocity, 90th percentile exit velocity. I'm also looking at, you know, sort of angles as well in terms of what their average launch angle is, what their hard hit launch angle is. So balls over 95 plus and then pull side launch angle, you know, and that tells me a lot about the type of hitter somebody is, especially when we have the really big sample of a full season uh, and are kind of able to dig in and digest some of those numbers. Um, and prospects are moving through the minor leagues faster and faster these days, Dylan. So it's important for us to identify these profiles because many of these guys, even ones we don't expect, could sort of end up in the major leagues and get, you know, 150, 200 bats and be relevant in all formats. So really kind of interesting. Um, and, you know, it's great as sort of watching the guys. We did put up part one. Um, part two is more underrated profiles. And what's fun is seeing some of the guys from last year's underrated profiles make their way into sort of the top 100 or top 100 adjacent sort of players that we have here. So we listed out 20. Uh, I think I wrote up a dozen myself. You wrote up eight. Um, and I want to talk about some of these players. And I think the guys you're familiar with as well. Uh, one name I wanted to bring up, though, is Jackson Holiday, And I feel like... Um, He's sort of reaching that point where he's been number one and touted so highly that we're starting to pick him apart a little bit now. Uh, but I think one thing that is consistent with him is just how um, unique his profile is, even for a skill guy. Good contact numbers, uh, good in-zone contact numbers, obviously is a, a low chase rate guy. Um, the high-end power 
of 102 miles per hour is, is kind of mediocre. Um, but his average exit velocity is pretty high. And, you know, if you look at sort of age, there's not many guys with 102 mile per hour um, average exit velocity at 19 years old. So I guess my question to you is, what are your power expectations with Holiday? <sighs> That's a good question. I mean, I run uh, sort of the age curves and all that stuff, similar to what you see on, uh, on like, you know, Scott the Stat Line, some of these data-focused prospect sites. Um, and his, his peak um, home runs based on these historical curves is not that high. It's only like, you know, 15 to 20 home runs, not even 20. It's slightly below average, even though he's, you know, 19 years old, double A, triple A now, I guess. Um, it's just, he's not dominating. Like you said, the, the exit velocities aren't that high. I think that is going to, uh, in retrospect, be, we were conservative. I think because he's so young, he's just going to develop. He's obviously got the talent and the pedigree to, you know, just continue to improve. I don't think he's capped, um, by what he's doing right now in the minors, um, in his first season of, of, of professional baseball. Um, so I think these are going to be like looking to be like grossly under underestimating his his power potential. So you know I see twenty twenty, three hundred batting average, you know three eighty, maybe four hundred on base percentage for like years yeah. um, in that in that Oriole lineup. So I think I think this is a case where if you if you're sort of um, beholden to the data, you're actually uh, you're gonna miss out on 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 him, and so you need these uh, like us saying he's the number one. I'm, well, we're obviously not the only outlet saying he's the number one prospect, <laughs> but like this is this is where you know you have to trust what what the scouts are saying, and you realize he's going to be just an incredible uh, perennial all star in the majors. Yeah, and I but I think the good the underlying data is really good. Um, plus chase rate, good good contact rate. Um, I think if he stayed in A ball season long, his contact rate would have been a absurd um and you know the average exit velocity is 91 miles an hour uh it's not that far off from like junior Caminero's is i think a lot of him actualizing power isn't necessarily strength or evs or raw power or anything i think it's bad angles is actually what it's going to turn out to be which is kind of interesting because another guy with huge raw power that's right up there junior Caminero. He's a guy that actually has huge game power despite sort of like mediocre angles. He doesn't have like a ton of launch consistently. Hard hit balls are fine. Um, you know, doesn't have like a really steep launch angle to his pull side either. Um, so it's kind of interesting. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on Cameron Arrow? I think if you have the elite exit velocities like Vlad Guerrero or Juan Soto or even Roddy Mauricio, if you even if you don't have the angles, uh, I think you'll still be successful as long as you're in this like double plus kind of zone for for the exit velocity. So that's where Camonero is. Like his 90th percentile exit velocity is over 110 miles an hour. It's it's pretty pretty absurd. Um, that data, that peak projection analysis that I'm talking about, I have him at like over 110 WRC plus, 25 to 30 home runs. Um, and it's it's just and he's been there pretty much all season so it's not like he he slumped and then kind of like uh peaked again or caught caught fire at a right time it's like he's basically hovered at that that projection the entire year um 
so I mean, I, I think you know, kind of, if you had to choose between the two of them, for example, it's just kind of what you want. Do you want do you want the slugger who's going to have the thirty plus home runs, or do you want the well rounded, like kind of Wander Franco profile um, that uh, Jackson Holiday would have? So yeah, I mean, I love Caminero. I lo- I love Jackson Holiday too. So like, you can't go wrong with either of them, obviously. Yeah, and I just lost my keeper in fantasy football. It looks like Nick Chubb is probably going to be done for the season. So uh, now that we're talking back about baseball again, my, my mind is actually going. Um, yeah, I mean, Caminero has just been an absolute stud this year. There haven't been many guys, you know, his age, age 19 season, technically, uh, that have hit 30 home runs. There's only a handful. Um, this is really special power. Part of me kind of wishes it was another organization. I'm almost worried that he's not going to come up next season. Um, but I don't know if in this day and age, with the benefits of a guy like this maybe being up early, if that sort of trumps the service time stuff. I don't think he's all that far away from being ready, Dylan, to be frank. Um, how many games do you anticipate he does play in 2024? Good question. I think, I think he's going to play at least half the season. I think, um, I don't know what the fallout of the Wander Franco situation is going to be. I don't know about like the contra, the extension and the, like whether it's insured, all this stuff. Like, I don't know if Tampa Bay is like snake bitten and worried, um, or if they're going to be kind of like freed of the shackles of that. And then they, you know, maybe they'll, they'll sign Caminero to an extension. This is based on no inside information or anything. This is just me talking. Um, so, I mean, I could see them doing a thing where they, they sign him to extension and they bring him up early um, or they, you know, wait till after the Super 2 type thing and then call him up, uh, you know, middle of May or something. I think he'll play quite a lot. He's going to start in AAA, I think, for sure. Um, he's pretty much done <laughs> everything you can in AA, I would say. And then so he'll start in AAA and then he'll come up because I'm sure he's going to mash in AAA right from the outset because that's all he's ever done. Um, so I, I expect quite a lot of of Caminero on the majors next year. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I'm hoping that's what happens. Uh, speaking of another guy who could mash and come up and be in the majors next year, how about Wyatt Langford? I know we've talked about him a little bit in some of these podcasts. When we dig into the data, um, he continues to sort of just be a magnetic potential pick in FYPD. Um, of players with a minimum of 100 plate appearances, Dylan. Lankford is the only player in the league in the minor leagues uh, with an in-zone contact rate above 85%, chase rate below 16%, and a 90th uh, percentile exit velocity over 107 miles per hour. His combination of bat-to-ball skills, plate approach, and power is sort of unheard of. And... Uh, I think by the time FYPD season really kicks into full gear, he's probably the number one guy universally. I don't think there's going to be um, too much debate outside of it. 100%. I mean, you talk about those big three you look at, and and it's like sometimes you see the warts, right? You see like, oh, he's got a huge exit velocity. Oh, but his angles are, you know, like average of five degrees or whatever. When he pulls it, it's, it's he averages at a negative. Like he pulls it into the ground, but none of that happens. Like, He's got the high exit velocities and his angles are great. And then like with the chase, oh, he's got a a really low chase rate. Yeah, but he probably doesn't swing. But no, he actually swings at a reasonable rate. So it's like 
everything there like there's no warts almost on all all of his all of his data and uh you know the rangers just promoted him today on monday to triple a so you know there's talk they may call him up um, before the season's over that would be pretty great if they do i mean i i, I think you're right i think he's going to be the number one pick um in FYPD, at least like amongst Dylan Cruz and Wyatt Langford, I think Wyatt Langford will be the one that's picked uh, before Cruz in probably nine out of 10 FYPDs. I can't see it changing um, from now. Uh, I know a lot of people, it's like there's the hype train is going <laughs> for Langford right now, big time. Um, I still would go Cruz too. I wouldn't, I, I don't think I'd have some of the other guys that maybe we'll talk about next um, ahead of Cruz. But uh, I think Langford's the clear like one A over the previous one A one B conversation with Cruz. Yeah, um, I would agree with that hundred uh, percent. In terms of the prep players in this draft, uh, there is a couple of guys that have really stood out. Um, one of them being Walker Jenkins, um, who I wrote up and. I got to say, Dylan, I am fairly excited to potentially get some shares of Jenkins or maybe make swing some deals this offseason and allow me to uh, get my my hands on them. I actually have Jenkins in a couple of open universe leagues, so do actually already have some shares. Um, but, you know, we're talking about, you know, contact rate north of 85%, um, in zone contact rate north of 90%. Guy does not swing and miss, did not swing and miss at all, even in terms of, uh, you know, his full season debut, same deal. Chase rate was low. Um, the ag- the exit, the exit velocity data isn't crazy yet, um, but when you consider sort of age and level, still pretty good. We know what the power is there. I think if you've seen this guy before, seen the physicality, power j- projection is obvious. Um, Jenkins is definitely going to be the top prep player from this draft for me. And I don't think I'm going on a limb by saying that, but, uh, the numbers back it as well. And then, you know, Bryce Eldridge, uh, has been awesome. Um, the power's great. Uh, you know, the swing and miss is present, but not like out of control. Um, there's a lot of parallels between him and Spencer Jones, just as athletes and the power and sort of the, approach and bat to ball profile and all that sort of stuff. So I'm interested to see what Eldridge turns into. And I know we talked about him a little bit last week, but those two names stick out for me. As well as Matt Shaw uh, being the other college guy I wanted to mention here. These are all guys that um, make this a really interesting FYPD this year. If you're like in a 12 team league and you go a couple of rounds um, and you could potentially end up with multiples of this sort of, uh, this group right here, if, you know, this 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 quartet, um, very interesting. I, I don't know. Of those sort of four guys, I don't know if you had any thoughts. I mean, we, we've talked about all of them. I I really like them. The, the thing that that I'm curious about is sort of the Walker Jenkins versus Bryce Eldridge, not Ma- Walker Jenkins versus Max Clark, but Mark uh, Walker Jenkins versus Bryce Eldridge. Because if you just look at the stat cast, I actually find Eldridge's stat cast data far more interesting than Jenkins. And then, but if you look at the sort of the surface level stats, Jenkins is far superior to Eldridge, way higher WRC plus, doesn't hit into the ground, 
uh, stuff like that. So I'm curious to see how, like, which one kind of reigns supreme uh, over the next couple years. Because um, I think it's just uh, going to be a fascinating, uh, fascinating journey watching the two of them on. I mean, Matt Shaw, he's great. Like I said, 2020, I think. He he would be probably the number one FYPD pick in any other year if it didn't have Langford and Cruz and Skeens and some international guys. Um, just what he's doing and sort of the just the, the pedigree and all that. He just he, he seems to he's going to be a professional hitter uh, in the big leagues sooner rather than later. So yeah, I mean all these guys you can't go wrong. I I had a, I traded a couple late round picks. So in a twenty team dynasty, I had like. 20th pick and a 21st pick. And I traded the two of them. I might have even traded three. I can't remember for Brian Wu. And I felt really good about it at the time. And then now I'm kind of definitely regretting it because this, this draft, this FYPD is going to be so deep. You're going to be able to get really good major leaguers, um, even in the twenties and thirties. And there's going to be someone, you know, in the forties and fifties, that's just going to blow up as well. Um, And it's just a matter of time to figure out who that is. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think the power data with, with Aldridge is much more interesting. Um, I think just the thing with Jenkins, like I said, is the the plate skills and, you know, the potential to add more power, um, which is, you know, uh, the plate skills are tough. It's not easy to develop those. The combination of bats and ball skills and approach, uh, especially at a young age, against more advanced arms, sometimes against guys, you know, that have uh, quite a bit of college experience to go with all that. Um you wrote up Samuel Basayo, um, one of the best hitting minor leaguers in baseball this year. Um, I think if you take a look at the numbers, especially for sort of age and level and all that sort of stuff, you could probably make a case this was as good of a season as anybody. Um, so what are your thoughts on Basayo? Like I said, you wrote him up for the article. Yeah, uh, RoboScout has him as the number one prospect Uh in low A this year, uh, 352 plate appearances. He had a 149 WRC plus is an age 18 season, 12 home runs, seven stolen bases. So using those peak projections, it's like 270 batting average, 340 OBP, 30 home runs, uh, over 60, uh, 600 play appearances, um, WRC plus 110. Like it's just, it's all there. I, I was thinking back today, that uh, early in the season, it was like Samuel Basayo and Creed Willems were sort of <laughs> Baltimore Oriole catchers in low A who were like in the top five right after like, you know, first two weeks, first three weeks of the season. Um, and it was like, which catcher is going to emerge as the uh, the superior one? And like in hindsight, it seems like such a an obvious answer. Like Creed Willems doesn't have like sort of the athleticism Basayo has. Basayo has that gun for an arm. And just beside, I was just showing all year. I know I listened to your hot sheet podcast with uh, with Josh talking about the potential of Basayo being the number one prospect in baseball. Like how how absurd would that be? You know, following the footsteps of Grayson Rodriguez, Ali Rutschman, uh, Jackson Holiday, and you know, I I don't think it's that far fetched. I have Basayo very high, even though he's a catcher, and I tend to eschew catchers in my fantasy lists and fantasy leagues, but uh, he definitely looks like he's going to be, you know, like a, a 60 future value. Yeah, I would agree with that 100%. Um, really interesting regardless of where he ends up defensively, because I think the bat plays even if he's at first base. 
it's such unusual power. Um, but I think with the arm that he has, that if catching doesn't work out third base or even, you know, a corner outfield spot isn't out of the question, just depends on how he's moving, how he's tracking at that point in time. Uh, speaking of someone who's probably not going to move or track all that well in a corner outfield spot, uh, Moises Ballesteros, um, another guy who's had a tremendous season. There are some top-notch catching or bat-first catching prospects in their minor leagues right now. Uh, Ballesteros, another sort of um, you know A-ball darling, um, you wrote him up too. Talk to me about him. Yeah, the top four Robo Scout guys in low A are Samuel Basayo, catcher, Samuel Zavala, outfielder for the Padres, who just based on the fact, you know, he's so young um, and, you know, also has stolen bases in his profile, gets a nice score. Um, Tyron Lorenzo of the Dodgers, another catcher, is number three, and maybe we'll talk about him in a future article. Um, and then Moises Fiesteros is number four, so another catcher, like you say. Um he was on the scene last year as a RoboScout darling. It's the same thing you're talking about, the contact, the exit velocities, the chase. We're all solid. The barrel rates were great. Um, question is whether he could stick at catcher. Um, if you've seen him, it probably looks like the odds are against him that he will, but it's just the bat's going to play no matter what. He's just done it again for a second year. Like I said, RoboScout has him fourth in, in low A, um, ahead of Ethan Salas, ahead of Lazaro Montes, ahead of you know, Gabriel Gonzalez, Jet Williams, some of these like guys who are just been rocketing up the charts. Um, I have, for the same reason I just said, as a catcher, I, I tend to back off. If he's going to be first base, I kind of back off. Um, I'm, I'm not as excited about the profile, but, uh, you know, I kind of regret it. Um, I had him actually in a, in a couple leagues and I dropped him because I just, you know, found the, ne- the next shiny low a minor league guy with the speed and the all-star profile that i thought who did you say no i said sure yeah 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 and uh now i mean it's just he first two like i said two years in a row he's just he's just dominated um so i mean i think he's gonna be a major leaguer i don't think he's gonna be a catcher um and i think he's gonna be you know slugging profile kind of like what i just said about basaya like 25 to 30 home runs good obp good batting average uh, WRC plus above average too. So he's a good one for the Cubs. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when you're not that playing time, that that defensive value earns you isn't important and valuable in fantasy. I do think at the end of the day, you got to chase after the best bats and these guys will find a way to work themselves into the lineup. A couple of bats that are very similar to each other. Uh, it's a profile that I like. Guys meet with some questionable bats of ball skills, but really good approach. High-end power. Chosen games. And there's some athleticism here. I'm talking about Emmanuel Rodriguez of the Twins and Owen Casey of the Cubs. Both of these guys have some swing and miss in their game. They both have incredibly passive approach. Uh, you could say it's discerning. I think it is a three true outcome profile. They look to walk. They look to, you know, elevate when they do make contact and do damage. Both have big power um, and big underlying data as far as the power. So you're up both of those guys. I'm a big fan of both of them. I could see a case for either. Who do you prefer and why? 
Uh, I kind of think I prefer Casey over Rodriguez and only because of the perceived value. I think he's just criminally underrated. I know a lot of smart guys are on him um, and that's good. But like Emmanuel Rodriguez had had buzzed through the roof coming into the season um, and he's he's done OK. He's done well. He's he's kind of done the same thing he did last year. Just incredible exit velocities, extremely passive approach. Um contact is average and uh he's playing center field still i thought he'd be, he'd move to a corner by now but he hasn't um but casey it's ex- almost identical profile like you said like the 90th percentile exit velocity is like over 110 it's like right at seminaro yeah it's you, you don't get that high <laughs> without being able to like if you have average contact and he has basically average it's slightly below average um that still is going to be a huge bat um like the exit velocities when you're that elite like it, it they're worth like three times more like than contact and so it's almost unquestionable that he's going to be an impact bat whether or not he becomes more than a three true outcomes profile i don't know um but i like casey just merely on the fact that he's so underrated like um he probably should be a top 25 prospect based just on the bat and I'm hesitant to move him up there just because I'm a bit worried about the the swing and miss. Um, but I, I, I probably in, in good conscience should have him in that level. Pretty good. Yeah. I, uh, I agree with you. I think I am uh team Casey myself actually. And uh, it's funny, you know, I, I kind of went through and picked out a bunch of these names um, and they're all players that I think sort of fit the profile of uh fantasy prospects that I'll be targeting or generally target from year to year. And we'll have some more um, down there as well. I don't want to list all the names. There's 20 names. We went through a handful of them here and sort of talk through those guys for you. Um, anybody we didn't mention or someone that might be in the next article, Dylan, that, uh, that interests you or someone that's kind of become a fascination. If you've had time to dig in or think about prospects at all during your your main event chase <laughs> uh one name i i actually wrote in about um even though it's going to be in the the, the subsequent article is that robert Calaz from colorado rockies yeah uh dsl player age 17 season the data is great um i really like him and i think he's criminally oh. underrated speaking of criminally underrated you know dsl guys um I think he he may emerge as one of the top three or five top five from that from this class. I just uh, really impressed with the underlying yeah. data, and, and you can read about it in the in the next article. Yeah, exactly. He was one that uh, for sure stuck out to me. Um, we were aggressive in getting him up and onto the Rockies list. He was on the top thirty, has been for a while. Um, and part of it was because of the data. Uh, one name I'm going to bring up is Jack Brannigan from the Pirates. He's in the next article. His underlying data is incredible. This is a guy who was a two-way town at Notre Dame, got a big arm, has defensive value. The numbers are really good. Um, regardless of park and all that sort of stuff, I was surprised how good the numbers were. Uh, and then another one I'll throw out there is Hayden McGarry from the Cubs. He shows up on a ton of these queries and searches for approach, averages contact, and huge raw power. 
Um, I think he might be criminally underrated. Here, here's a hot take. I think I'd rather have Hayden McGarry than Matt Mervis. Hmm. I could see it. I could definitely see it. Yeah. Is that spicy? It's because I think that his high-end power is better, and I think the plate skills might be a little bit better. It might be a better profile. Uh, I really like McGarry. I think he's uh, a guy I'll probably roster quite a few places this offseason as we get into draft season and you know acquisition periods in January, December, January, February, etc. So um, like McGarry quite a bit. Dylan, well, you can wrap this sucker up. I don't know if you have anything else you wanted to add uh, before we say goodbye to the folks. No, no, that's good. Short and sweet. And uh, we'll be coming up with the next 20 names uh, in the next couple days or a week. Yeah, you'll be hearing from us and our lawyers. That was the Baseball America <laughs> Fantasy Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Jeff. He's Dylan. Have a great week. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.